Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. Well, the draft is in the books. A lot of things going on in the National Football League in the process of trying to see who gets the fifth-year options and who doesn't. And, of course, uh, we're trying to figure out what kind of season this is going to be you know, because of the pandemic. And joining us is Jason Cole here on Schooled with a Professor on Florida Football Insider, but he's been around for a long time. We've been friends for a long time and covering football for a long time. And I guess I would start out with the most unusual uh, decision in the draft, and it goes to Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers ended up trading up into the first round. They take Jordan Love, the quarterback, probably not making Aaron Rodgers happy. And our good friend Bob McGinn, you know, from who's now working for the Athletic, who's covered a team for roughly 40 years, is reporting that basically Matt LaFleur is so fed up with Aaron Rodgers that uh, he wants to come in, change the offense, and have some leverage that uh, Aaron Rodgers will be able to take to what's going to be a new running offense. How weird is that story? It's a little strange to me, John. Not so much that you want to change quarterbacks, right? Like, Or you you see the future, like Ted Tom- the way that Ted Thompson did it with Favre and Rodgers you know, 15 years ago. But I would say that if your point is to try and get leverage over Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to be scared by Jordan Love. He's still going to do whatever he wants to do to run the team when he's on the field. And so that's not going to control um, the relationship. The only way you control the relationship is if you finally say, okay, we're going to either bench you because Jordan Love can take care take over or we're just going to cut you in a year or two and we know all, all know the math but that's really hard so yeah is LaFleur sort of tired of dealing with Aaron Rodgers yeah is the, this going to make Aaron Rodgers sit up and do it his way no it's not Aaron Rodgers is still going to do what he wants to do unless Matt LaFleur wants to sit him or cut him and I think both of those options are really hard especially because you don't know if Jordan Love can play yet. No, and of course, the the weird part is, and again, I know that uh, this is even uh, supplemented by some of the other beat writers on the on the team, is that what Matt LaFleur wants to do is that, and of course, this is after a thirteen after a season where they went to the championship game, and of course, you, know, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, and so the idea is Matt LaFleur wants to go to more of a running offense, you know, similar to what he ran when he was an offensive coordinator in Tennessee, you know, 50-50 run pass. He wants to kind of put in some of the elements that uh, you see in both San Francisco and with Los Angeles and the Rams with the running game. And, of course, you know, you've you got Aaron Rodgers, who used to a West Coast offense, you know, passing the ball close to 55 to 58 percent of the time. And so this, to me, is like, OK, so who got to the championship game? Was it the coach or the quarterback? Because quarterbacks usually dominate in this league. And now he wants to change what the quarterback does. Look, it's a passing league still. It's nice to be able to run the way that Tennessee did to hide your deficiencies at quarterback. Ultimately, the quarter you're going to get beat by better quarterbacks. That's just going to happen. Uh, and so, yeah, I want to do things that help my quarterback. 
I'm not trying to dictate to him. I still want to help him with, you know, better weapons and say, look, we're going to have a more effective passing game because we took a great receiver in the first round. Or, no, there wasn't really a running back worth taking in the first round at that point in time. And I would question whether Kansas City's pick is ultimately going to work. But, you know, it suits Andy Reid's offense. But that aside, go get a weapon who can open up the game and then say to Aaron, okay, look, we're going to, we're going to throw to set up the run and we're going to be able to pound people as the game goes on. But you look, you don't have Derrick Henry. You don't have this bullish um, offensive line that can do this. And here's the biggest problem that Green Bay has. If you want to play pounded out football, their defense isn't very good. You know, they've got a couple of pass rushers who are okay, but they're not big and stout. They don't, they don't hold up against people the way that, you know, the way that Tennessee can do that if you want to play that style of offense. You know, they can't slow down games. You know, I, I would rather, when you have the two pass rushers that they have and the collection of guys that they have, I'd still rather get into more of a game where you're jumping on people, get a lead, and then you let the pass rushers go to work against teams that are trying to throw against you. And I, I just think they're sort of mismatched. So the whole idea of taking love, to me, you can say what you want about it strategically, but the only way it's really going to work is if love ends up being a great player and you ultimately can get rid of Rodgers and run the team the way you want to run the team. I don't think that, to me, they, they're wasting the last couple of years of Aaron Rodgers with this pick. No question about it. Then you look at uh, Philadelphia. Uh, they, in the second round, decide to go with Jalen Hurst. Uh, and it's the first time in, what, 51 years, going all the way back to Joe Namath, that you had a quarter, uh, somebody 27 years old as a starter, Carson Wentz, and you use a second-round pick on a quarterback. I mean, you're talking about really going against history, and one of the most recent times, it wasn't a little bit older, but you know, Neil O'Donnell was coming off a good season and then it took Cordell Stewart in Pittsburgh but that's another unusual pick Mm -hmm. because again here's another team Philadelphia and Green Bay lacking wide receivers they took one in the first round the Eagles did the Packers did not and you use a second round pick on a quarterback who's going to sit yeah but I think that there's two things involved in the Hurts play if you want to call it that 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 make me understand why they did this Number one, I think I think that Howie Howie Roseman really puts a very high priority on having a good backup quarterback. I mean, we've seen that in the championship year where he had Nick Foles, kept him, eventually traded him, uh, or eventually let him go. But he puts an incredibly high priority on that position. He doesn't have one that he really truly trusts right now, and he has a quarterback who still has some injury issues that he's dealing with, right? And while they believe in Carson Wentz, I don't think that I, I think that they want to have a plan B in place in case something falls apart. So they're not afraid with going with Hurts. I don't think Hurts is a great passer, but I do think that you get some use out of Hurts in other situations. So it's not like you're just taking a guy and he's not going to play at all. I think you can take Hurts and you can use him at other places along the way and get him on the field in other ways because he's a bigger, stronger guy who can run. 
and you can use them in some gadget situations. So at least you're getting him on the field, getting him a little bit of experience. But Wentz is still your number one guy, and you have a capable backup. So this one didn't jump out at me the same way that the Packers' decision to take Jordan Love did. It was still a little bit different, but given the makeup and the thinking of Howie Roseman, I, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't sound as a, like a crazy move. That's a complete waste. Now, another person that uh, believes in having good backup quarterbacks certainly has to be Sean Payton, because Sean Payton, you know, they have Taysen Hill, who, you know, what is something like seven passes or something (laughs) like that in his career, not very many, and, uh, you know, they just gave him a raised $10 million a year and then came back and was able to talk Jameis Winston into a one-year $1.1 million deal, which I start to get the feeling that even though Drew Brees signed a two-year contract, the thought seems to be Drew's going to retire after this season. Sort out the uh, quarterback backup situation with uh, the New Orleans Saints. (laughs) This This one is fascinating to me because I Look, you hear a lot about they're going to redesign the offense once Drew is gone and make Taysom Hill the guy, and they really believe in him. And it sounds really cool. It sounds really interesting. But it sort of also sounds like one of those situations, and, you know, John, you've witnessed it way more than I have over your career. Sometimes coaches outsmart themselves, and they get too cute, and they think that they can redesign how football works. And at the end of the day, you still need to have essentially a drop back passer, you know, who can, who, a guy who can sling it. Now, he may be able to move around and do a few different things and change things up and have some kind of running ability that's interesting. But at the end of the day, he still has to have talent throwing from the pocket. And that has to be his primary, you know, his primary talent. And. <laughs> And to me, I don't know if Taysom Hill has anything like that. I've never, I haven't seen enough. He certainly looks like a nice a- athlete, but I don't know if he's a real quarterback. So that gets me to Jameis Winston, who is a drop back passer and who has physical skill that you can see, but is just an incredibly sloppy player. So are you, if you're Sean Payton and you sit there and you say, okay, Drew Brees, I got a year. And see the what? What can I max out out of Drew Brees for one year? Um, and maybe some chance he'll he'll put off you know the TV career for another year, and maybe I'll get two if I'm really really lucky. But really, only one. And he, he's starting to fall apart a little bit physically as well. So I'll, I'll count on getting one year. But then what are you transitioning to? Are you transitioning and fully buying into the Taysom Hill thing? Are you spending a year with Jameis Winston working really hard to say, Jameis, you're not focused on the things that you need to do, and you're incredibly sloppy with your play. And if you can fix that, and it has to be a complete 180-degree turn. It it can't just be a little bit better. It has to be completely refocused the art of your craft, you know, your craft. We refocus everything that you do. Can you make that kind of change so that I have the ability to re-sign you at a reasonable contract and then transition and still play pocket quarterback um, the way that I have for the last 15 years with Drew Brees? That, to me, is 
it's it's a stunning question, and I don't know which way it's going to go, but I would love to be inside the mind of Sean Payton as he sorts out how to do this. But obviously, look, financially, they're committed to Taysom Hill using him in some significant role, and they believe in because they spent a lot of money on him. But the talent of Jameis Winston is is there. The physical skill is there. The results are just terrible. Now, on Thursday, we find out that uh, Andy Dalton asked for his release, received his release, which means that Joe Burrow, the first pick in the Bengal draft and the first pick in the NFL draft, is going to likely be the starter. And can you believe that there will be 11 quarterbacks potentially in the AFC that are in their third year or younger that are going to be starting this mm-hmm. year? That's amazing. It is It is really stunning. But, you, you know, you've watched the – the AFC make this transition, right? You've seen, you know, Manning leave and Brady leave and, and, and other guys leave. So there's this brain drain at quarterback, essentially. So somebody has to take over because they all mat- they all sort of matured out at the same time. And Roethlisberger is probably closer to the end than the beginning as well. So this was sort of inevitable. Um, the question is, you know, outside of Patrick Mahomes, are any of them any good? Like that's that's the real question I have. I mean, I, you know, Lamar Jackson had a fabulous regular season last year, but we saw what happened in the playoffs when when Tennessee essentially forced him into making difficult throws and making you know you know took away some of the running game from him. You know, took away some of the obvious reads, and then he didn't have Mark Ingram to help either. So, I you know. Lamar Jackson is still sort of an unproven you know, commodity to me. What is he ultimately going to be? And I, and I fall back on you need to be able to throw the ball from the pocket as the foundation of what you do. And I haven't seen enough of it yet. I saw a huge progression last year, but not enough. So when you go back to that whole argument of so many young quarterbacks, I want to see how they develop. I want to see what they become. I'm fascinated by this. And more importantly, when you talk about Cincinnati, and we get back to Joe Burrow, is Mike Brown going to stay, remain completely and totally dedicated to doing what the kid asked him to do by you know, committing to building this team? No, you know, those what, conversations that they had pre-draft are really critical to me. No question. How, what expectations do you see from these rookie quarterbacks that were drafted, <clears throat> and obviously J- Jordan Love not being included because he's not going to play, same thing with Jalen Hurst, and also the rest of the draft class when there's no off-season program, theoretically, just a, you know everything is done on, uh, on, on, on Zoom, and then, of course, uh, probably no preseason <laughs> games. I don't, you know, this is, a, this is one of the great challenges. I mean, that, that's why, I mean, if I'm Cincinnati, I, I'm... I'm so glad that I got Burrow because the kid is so intent on being great, right? Like he's committed to his craft. And I think he has a great awareness of what it takes to be good and to maximize your opportunities. So I, I, you know, I think that can make up for a lot. I think with guys like Tua and Herbert and Herbert in particular, I don't think her, I think Herbert is probably two years away from, being an effective player because of the nature of the Oregon offense. And while I think he's a smart kid and a good kid and, 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 uh, and, you know, and loves his craft, 
I don't know that he really understands what's going to happen at the NFL level. I don't think he really understands what he's about to face because the culture shock of not only going from the Oregon offense and how that how they run that, but the Pac-12 generally, which you know, you and I, I mean, you live on the West Coast. I went to a Pac-12 school. I mean, you and I both know watching that. That's a subpar conference right now. That's not a, that's not an elite level of football right now to make this transition. So I think Herbert faces the toughest transition. Now Tua faces the physical transition, but I think that the Dolphins have made it pretty clear they're comfortable playing Ryan Fitzpatrick for some, most, or even all of the next season as they let Tua get completely healthy and a, and a full year removed from that injury before they put him out there. But the one thing I like about Tua is that he's gone through hard coaching, you know, both with Nick Saban and he's been coached hard in a sense by his father. So this is a tough kid. It's a, me- a mentally tough kid. So, and when people talk about, you know, Wonderlick scores and things like that, I don't think that that matters as much with Tua. I think there's things he's going to have to learn about the pro game. Um, that are going to ma- that that are going to be a, a tough transition, but I think he has the work ethic and the toughness to get there faster. So Burrow, I think, is going to get there because the the mental dedication. Two, I think, will get there because of the toughness, the combination of toughness. Herbert's the one that I worry about the most because not having an offseason program to get ready for what you're about to face is going to put him a lot further behind. He may be a full two-year waiting process before you can get him on the field and expect him to handle what he's about to face. Jason Cole, uh, Florida Football Insider. Hey, I thank you for joining us on Schooled with the Professor, and stay safe and stay at home. Always, always stay at home. Me and my lovely wife, we're enjoying our time. There you go. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.